That is one of my, all the anthems you do are my favorite anthems, you know that. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but boy, I just listen, I just close my eyes. I just let, let y'all carry me away. Right, gets the spirit carries me away. Y'all sing, and God moves, and it's, it's beautiful. Thank you. I mean, it just, it's worship. <laughs> so uh, what a blessing. It's a blessing to share uh, in those moments with you. And thank you for that ministry this morning. And again, uh, Trio, glad to have you all back. It just makes, it just makes coming into Mardi Gras all, all the fun. So thank you, Bill. Always good to see you. Bill and I go, we go way back. Bill played the piano at one of the churches, golly, 20 years ago now, or probably too long more than we want to confess. But uh, anyway, it's great to see you again. Um, and it's great to be uh, together as we come into the season of Lent. I do want to highlight uh, the purple uh, insert, you're going to get one of these every week. We don't have a Lenten devotional per se this year. Uh, what we're going to be doing is every week you're going to be receiving one of these in your bulletin. It will also be online. So in case you're not in worship, but you want to kind of tune into what's going on, and you can see on the front of that there's a, a prayer. There's some scripture readings for the week, and so it gives you an opportunity each day to have a prayer, to, to read a scripture. Uh, there's some opportunities for sacred conversation, either around the dinner table or maybe with a friend. Uh, just kind of, you know, what we're trying to do is stimulate uh, thought and uh, around the theme of the week, and so you can see that there. And, and your prayers, we invite you to write your prayers on the bottom. You can also see on the back there's uh, a reflection for each week. And so I just want to hold that up and let you know that that's going to come every week. And, and as we uh, move into Lent, uh, that's going to be the way we begin to focus our hearts and lives in terms of devotion together during the season. I want to lift up uh, just one, the first verse, or I guess two verses that Casey read from Luke 6, uh, 27 and 28 uh, for our focus this morning as Christ speaks to those who follow him. And he says this, But I say to you that listen, I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. You who are listening to me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. This is the word of our Savior. I also want to invite us to pray together the prayer that St. Francis prayed. It's going to be our theme as we go into the in through Lent. And so we're going to pray this every week, right before the message. And so it's up here on the, on the screen. If you want to kind of flash back into that prayer, uh, Brandon. It's on 481 in your hymnals. If we can't find, oh, here we go, right here. Good. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. 
Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I might not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you always for your word. Sometimes the word comforts, and sometimes the word challenges. Today is a challenging word. So use not only the scripture, but use your spirit to help us to rise up, not only to grasp hold of what you have for us, but to be grasped by what you have for us, so that we might live as those who are witnesses to you. And this we ask and pray, not only in the good times, but also when it's hard to do that. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. On October 27, 2018, Robert Bowers walked into the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and y'all know what happened after that as he opened fire, and 11 persons lost their lives in the synagogue that day. Horrific event. A horrific hate crime, but I think what made it possibly even worse, it was the second kind of sensational hate crime of that particular month of October 2018, where just weeks before that, Cesar Sayoc had mailed out 14 pipe bombs to persons who were on his list, politicians and pundits, you know, and fortunately, none of those found their intended targets. And you look at what's going on in that, and you begin to think of what is going on in all that. And you think back before that month of two, October 2018, and you begin to kind of scan on back. I, I think back particularly to 2015, July 2000, or June 2015, back to Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, and how Dylan Roof walked into that prayer service, and how he opened fire in their prayer service. And I think about that. And then you can go back to 2015, and you can go forward even to a couple of weeks ago where Christopher Hassan had his own arsenal, and he had his own list, and he had his own desire. And you begin to think about all those events and all so many other events that are so like them. As you think about all those, you can't help but start to ask the question, is hate growing in our world? Is hate growing in our world? Not only our world, our country, our society. Close to home is hate growing. Perhaps you've heard the comments, I know I've heard them, that, you know, kind of where we find ourselves in these days, that there seems to be more division, there seems to be more derision, there seems to be more demonization than, than most people can remember in a long time. There's less dialogue. There is less seeking after dignity. There is less seeking to discover what might be a way forward and a will forward in God. And then just seems that that seems to have gone by the wayside. And you begin to ask the question, is hate growing in the world? around us. 
tell you, my friends, you know this and I know this, hate has been around for a long time. Back in the Bible, Genesis 4, you know, opens up, God makes the world, God puts everybody in Eden, we all fall out of Eden in chapter 3, chapter 4, first hate crime, when Cain kills Abel. So right off in the beginning, you see that hate has been part of the human condition, and I think it's been part of the human condition ever since. Because you and I know, even when we look inside of ourselves, even when we look at our own lives, all of us at one time or another have either hated or been hated by someone or something. Hate is part of the human condition, and so you have to start asking yourself, well, why? You know, why, why is hate so prevalent? You know, why is it so pervasive in the culture around us? And there are reasons. Hate is a powerful emotion. It is very powerful. And so when people are weak and they feel helpless and they feel frustrated, so often they grab hold of hate because it makes them feel energized, it makes them feel powerful, it makes them feel large. And so they choose to hate. And sometimes people choose to hate because they hurt. You know, you may have heard this saying, hurting people hurt people. And I believe that that is true. But I also believe it is true that hurting people hate people. Because so often what happens is people who have been deeply, deeply hurt, they take it in as a self-loathing and they live it out as a loathing for others. They live out the hate, they project out the hate. And sometimes people hate because they are afraid, because they feel threatened, because they feel endangered. And the response to that danger is to see if we can eliminate it in the way that we seek to eliminate it is by hating it. And sometimes we hate because we are ignorant, because we don't know, because we don't understand, because we don't take the time to know, we don't take the time to understand. And so what we do is we fill that void with hate Sometimes we hate because we are taught to hate. You may know the, theme, the, the song from South Pacific, that musical that seems to live so, seems so light and seems to lift everybody up, but the song goes like this. You have to be taught to hate and fear. You have to be taught year to year. It has to be drummed into your dear little ear. You have to be carefully taught. I tell you, there are reasons for hate. And the thing about hate is that not only is it powerful and prevalent, in some ways I think it's just like a pandemic, it is not only easily taught, it is easily caught. When you have hate in a culture, in a society around you, it's so easy to buy into. And that's so often what you find is when hate comes forward, it comes forward in a crowd. It doesn't come forward as you know, individual by individual. Sometimes it does, but so often it's a group that hates. And so what you find is it's, it's prevalent in that way, it's caught in that way, and it is destructive. It is destructive. It destroys the object of the hate, destroy the person who's hated and it destroys the person who hates.
It makes a heart hard. It makes a spirit small. It makes the world worse. And it makes us so much less than who Christ would have us to be. I tell you, you look at the world around us, and you, when you start thinking what's going on, and you start asking, is hate growing? I think you have to think about that. I think that's a real question. And also then the other question is, what are you gonna do about it? It's not enough to say that, you know what, there's hate in the world. What are we gonna do about it? And Jesus says this in the scripture this morning, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. St. Francis prays this prayer Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Both Jesus' core principle teaching on love in the face of hate and St. Francis' prayer, both of them focusing on the power of love because we need to be clear that the power of love is greater than the power of hate. And that is the truth that comes forward to us in the crucifixion and in the resurrection, in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It was hate, it was hate of Jesus' enemies that put him on the cross. And at the same time, it was the love of God that put him on the cross. The greatest act of hate and the greatest act of love are both together on that cross. And as they're both together on that cross, when Jesus rises from the grave on Easter morning, that lets us know which power is greater. And the power of love is greater. And the Apostle Paul celebrates that in Romans 8, which is one of my favorite chapters in the scriptures, maybe one of your favorite chapters in the scriptures too. It says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, he says, as it is written, we are being killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And he's reflecting on the persecution of Christians at the hands of those who hate them. He says, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loves us. The power of love is stronger than the power of hate. And so what we're invited to do is to embrace that power. And as we embrace that power, we're, I think, called to understand the nature of that power. Because the nature of that power is not simply my willpower or your willpower. I don't think it's enough, at least it's not for me, to say I hear the teaching of Jesus here and I'm going to decide that I'm going to do it and by myself I'm going to make that happen. Because I tell you, when Jesus talked about, you know, somebody hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, for me that might happen once or twice, but not too much more than that. Not when it's by me by myself. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about me by myself or you by yourself doing what we can do by our willpower because if it's by your willpower or my power, willpower, our love power is limited. He's talking about not simply willpower. He's talking about thy will be done power. He's talking about clinging to the cross of Christ. He's talking about going to the source of the strength the source of the love, and hanging on for dear life, and hanging on 
for dear love, so that as we begin to live into what is before us and live into the culture around us, we do it by the power of compassion that comes from the cross of Christ. And that's what we're called into, is we're called to cling to that power, to claim that power, to live that power, to witness that power. That is the power that the world needs to see through me. That is the power the world needs to see through you. And so for me, that's the call. And as he calls us into that power, St. Francis paints a, a beautiful picture of what that power looks like. He says, you know, he says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Not S-O love, but S-O-W love. Love is not like a sword that comes in and kind of in one fell swoop just kind of wipes things out of the way and wipes the slate clean. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about love as a seed. He's talking about love as a word, as a deed, as a prayer, as your presence, as your service, as your acts of justice, as the way that you step into moment by moment into what is happening you know, in your life and whatever faces you and make that decision. This is what Christ's love calls me into in this moment. And as you sow that seed, what you need to know is that what you sow in love, God will grow in grace. What you sow, God will grow. It will not go to waste. It will not be empty. It does make a difference. What you and I do does matter. What you say and what you pray and how you serve and how we move forward in justice, it matters. And so he calls us. He calls us into that place. And, and Jesus says, you know, it's like, it's like scattering the seed. And to me, the teaching today in Luke is like scattering that seed. It comes out when it talks about love. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. If anybody insults you, turn the other cheek. You know, slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If anybody wants to take your coat, and in those days they would, in those days when you have foreign occupation troops, they'll take your coat. The Romans would take your coat. So it's when they take your coat, don't look for it back. Just keep on going. You know, give them your cloak as well. He says, this is the rule. And it works like this. Whatever you would have somebody do to you, you go ahead and you do it to them because that's how love begins to work. You figure that out and you begin to live into that. He says you've got to understand that love is not a reciprocal thing. It's not like a transaction. It's not like you love and somebody loves you back. You do good and somebody does good to you back. You lend and somebody gives to you back. He says that's not really the nature of love. It's not transactional. He says it's transformational. He says this is the reward. When you and I love in the face of hate, he says, the reward is this. He says, then we are like the children of God. He says, that is how we become the children of God. He says, that is the reward. That we are siblings, brothers and sisters of a Savior who does the same thing. Because he says, that is the nature of God. Because I don't know if you listened to the last line that Casey read really closely, but the last line in this scripture is a line that just challenges me. <laughs> I was going to put a few adjectives in front of him, but it amazingly challenges me because the last line says this. We have a God who is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. 
We have a God who is merciful and kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Love in the face of evil and in the face of hate. And so Jesus closes up like this. Be merciful because that's how God is. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. I don't know about you, but to me this is an amazing challenge. Sometimes the scripture comes along and says, golly, things aren't good, and we need to do something about it, and what we need to do about it is really hard to do. I can remember preaching a message like this way back in my ministry at the early, pretty early on, I had a great guy in my church, and he listened to, I don't know if it's on this text, or it's a text very much like this, and Frank was just this great guy. And so I preach it on the back door, shaking hands as he goes. I says, preacher, you know, Paul, that was really good, but I want you to know I'm never gonna do that. First time somebody hits me in the face, they are gonna have a black eye. <laughs> and I said, yeah, Frank, I get it. I get it. And you get it. We understand that. <laughs> we, we get that really clearly. God does too. God calls us to more than that. And that's why I come to the table today. And I think that's why you come to the table today too. Because we come to the table and we lift the bread and we break it and it says we live in a broken world. It says we live in a broken world and we live broken lives. And in the midst of that brokenness, Christ works, love works. The things that you do and I do, they matter, they matter. And so Jesus calls us to follow. He calls us to listen and to lean into and to be the people that God would have us to be. And so in that faith, I want to invite you to come to the table today to join in the sacrament of our Savior, to be strengthened by his love so that we might be people of love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we come to the table, as we come to the sacrament, I want you to know it is not a United Methodist table. It is not a table of Spring Valley. It's a table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he invites all of us to come and feast upon the bounty of his grace. And so I invite those who are assisting with communion to come forward at this time and for all of us to join together in the sacrament this morning. Dear friends, the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you brought forth all things into being and you called them good. From the dust of the earth, you formed us into your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave the commandments and called them into being a covenant people. 
And when your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights on your holy mountain until he heard your still, small voice. And so with all the people of earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join together in the unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on the cross for our sin, you raised him to life and presented him alive to the apostles during the following 40 days and then exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And now when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter and the season of Lent, you would lead us into a repentance and a cleansing of our hearts that during these 40 days we might be gifted in grace to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ, who on the night that he was betrayed took bread, and after blessing the bread, he broke it. And as he broke it, he gave it to those who followed him, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks over the cup, he gave it to them and said, Take and drink, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you shall drink in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts, Lord Jesus, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. Honor these gifts of the bread and of the cup, and may they be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us join together in praying what our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever.